Let's thank Him for another opportunity to gather in His presence. As leaders, to be instructed by Him, not by any man. So that the generation we find ourselves as Christians, that God will never regret our existence in this generation. He brought all of us into this generation for a purpose. And that purpose seemed to be drifting away from our hands. As leaders, can we now pray just for one minute and say, God, speak to me as a person. Yes, you might have been a leader for a long time, you might have achieved so many things, but knew every morning is his agenda and his purpose. Can you say, God, reveal your new purpose and agenda for me? 2020 Christian life and leadership. I don't just want to be a nominal, conventional Christian. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity this morning to come into your presence, to meditate on your word and reflect on Christian leadership. We have not come to demonstrate the eloquence of man. We have come that by the Holy Spirit you will instruct, instruct us anew. That we will not fail you in this generation as leaders. That you will not regret our existence as Christians in this age. You know how to instruct us personally and collectively. Lord, may it please you to do that unto us. And give us obedient heart and commensurate grace to translate what you will tell us today into our daily lifestyle to your own glory. In Jesus' mighty name we are prayed. Amen. Good morning, everybody. This morning is leadership. Do I call it fellowship or retreat or training or whatever? Prof, what do we call it? Everything I say, because the bishop is correct. That's why we are landing to trouble in Anglican Church. Brother, promise. I throw a salute. <laughs> you know, in Anglican Church, if bishops come to church late, and you tell the priest, uh, what's happening? Or, you know, they say, Bishop, no worry. Bishop is time. Whenever you come, is correct. That is satanic. And once they did it to me, I fixed a, reded, a dedication service of my secretariat. I arrived seven minutes behind shadow. And I was apologizing to the priest. He said, sorry for keeping you seven minutes. I come late. He said, no, 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 you don't do it in Anglican Church. Bishop is time. I said, God forgive you. My name is Ephraim, not time. When I come late, I have come late. And that's part of the Christian leadership challenge we have in our time. When we revolve everything around our personality, not by God's standard. So this morning, Prof said, whatever I call it, leadership retreat, leadership training, leadership workshop, leadership fellowship, just choose one. 
fill in your paper. But this morning, I have not come to talk to us. I see great people here who have been leaders for a long time. I have come for us to interact and how we can become better leaders. I'm still learning too. This is true. I'm a learner. The only thing is that when children of God gather, somebody will stand like this to coordinate the gathering. I am just a coordinator now. So there are things we will raise here, maybe during question and answer, which we do for a few minutes, we, we cross-pollinate ideas. We throw more light on these things. But I want to tell us that God is in dire need of trusted Christian leaders now. Honestly. If there is a vacancy that God is announcing to fill, it is trusted Christian leaders. The truth is that many of us, I am a bishop, many of us are failing God honestly. Many of us are failing God. And that clarion call you see, I, I told you I'm not going to shout this morning, it's interactive. When you hear God say, whom shall I send? And who shall go for us? When it is apt and relevant, is now. People got trusted with Christian leadership in fellowships, in churches, in gatherings, are failing him daily. And that is why we are going to look at a topic this morning. They say, dealing with the challenges of Biblical Christian leadership in the 21st century. Dealing with the challenges of Biblical Christian leadership in the 21st century. Our own is a peculiar generation with sophisticated and complex challenges as Christians. Very complex generation. Choking, suffocating, and sandwiching Christianity with the sole aim of making Christianity to go into extinction all over the world. Many of you travel. If you're observant, you will know what I'm talking about. All over the world. The sole target is now, how do we remove Christianity from existence? Not from terrorists. Their own is a different problem. Islamic world is on a very high profile meeting. Of how to strangulate and destroy Christianity. But they are not our problem. If we get it right as Christian leaders, theirs is no problem. Theirs is no problem. Because it has been there. But the problem is inside. All over the world. That's why, thank God, they have concluded. You know, some of us don't follow things. We just... 
Maybe you are too spiritual to follow trends in the world. I was really worried about the issue of impeachment of Trump. I was grossly worried and I had to pray all manner of prayers. Because that man is a Cyrus of our generation. If they had succeeded in impeaching that man, I want to tell you Christianity would have suffered a gross onslaught that may be very extremely difficult to recover from. But when God proved himself a few days ago, I was relieved. Because he can raise any person. Trumps may not be speaking in tongues. But he has what it takes to challenge this generation against Christianity. Challenge them. Speak to the Muslim world. He has the capacity, the capability, the contemporary technology, the military strength to confront anybody. So if you don't like America and our Christian religion, don't come. He's the only person that can say it. So far you come to America, you must live like us. We are a Christian nation. That's, that's great. That's great. He has recovered. I know some of us you know, in America, for so many years now, you don't see it say Happy Christmas. You don't try it. You just come and say, happy holiday, happy holiday, don't mention Christmas. But from the White House, the man will make his broadcast. I say, we are a Christian nation. I say to you with pride, happy Christmas. No apology. So God has saved us. Not that Trump is God, but he's an instrument. So that's why I delved into it to say the least. The challenges we have now, they're enormous. Christians in places of authority, nobody is carrying his Bible and Christianity to that place. You are a doctor, a professor, head of department, dean of faculty. Do you carry Christianity there? As a lecturer, do you carry Christianity to your lecture hall? Or do you play gentle? Listen, those children, once they pass through you, you may never meet them in life again. So they are divine project in our hands. Two minutes sharing of the gospel does not tamper with their lecture time. It's not, it's not doing Bible study for them during lecture. That's not what I'm talking about. Oh, how are you? I hope you slept well this last night. God bless you. Remember, we are on transit here while we go for our lecture. Make sure you give your life to Jesus and walk according to God's plan. Yeah, the topic for today. You have finished the sermon. You know, when we know the technicalities of passing this sermon, we may make impact we never expect. So this morning, let's read the Bible. But I want to plead with us, you can stop me anytime I make a complex statement that needs explanation. This is not sermon class. This is not sermon class. It's an interactive session. First Timothy chapter 6. You know, as leaders, we are not going to just read one verse of the Bible. We read some Bible texts. This morning, 
Because one of the challenges we deal with, or we are dealing with in this generation is taking just one phrase of the Bible and preaching for four hours on it without reference to any other Bible, telling empty stories. We don't read Bible again when we preach. Just tell us how I went to Badakri and chased all the demons there, how I went to uh, Konakri and my shoe cast out the demon in their land. Empty stories, and people are jumping up. Noise. First Timothy chapter 6. It's a very popular text, but God laid it in our hearts. We read from verse 3. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 3. If any man teach otherwise, and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but dotting about questions and strifes of words, whereof commit envy, strife, railings, evil summonses, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw, verse, uh, verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain, great gain, not just gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Whenever I read this place, I'm so comforted. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. The day that we be rich, fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, lead us now. Flee these things, and follow after righteousness. Godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things, and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate, witness a great confession. Verse 14, where we are stopping. That thou keep this commandment. How? How? Without spot, unrebukable, until when? The appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord.
This morning we have said dealing with the challenges of biblical Christian leadership in the 21st century. By, let me clear the air here. By the provision and demand of Matthew chapter 5, 13 to 16. Every child of God and every disciple of Jesus is a leader. We need to clear that now. So that when we talk of leaders, we are not talking, ah, oh, our vicar, our bishop, our coordinator, our chapel council, our this, our mommy in the women ministry. We are talking about all of us. When God showed me something about leadership recently, He said, look, some of you are looking at position before you talk of leadership. No. Once you become a child of God, you are a very powerful leader. Very powerful. And I said, God, how? He took me to a place I've been reading for years without giving attention to it. He took me to Second Kings chapter 5. And I read about it, I've read about it, I've read about the case of Nehemiah. You remember that story? The Nehemiah was a great man, a high military man, a honorable man. Through him, God had given Syria deliverance and this and that and that. But he was a leper. In that his capacity and capabilities and exploits. He needed a leader to help him out of the leprosy. And highly placed men could not help him. Do you know who was Nehemiah's leader? A slave captive girl in her house. If that girl had kept quiet, not playing the role as a Jewish covenant girl, Nehemiah would have perished in leprosy. I know when we read about the healing of Nehemiah or his cleansing, we, we end with the healing. Go and read further. By that girl's leadership and direction, Nehemiah became a worshiper of Yahweh. Do you remember? Go and read that place. After he went and got home, he told Elijah, look, from now, you know why I worship this evil God in our place? It's because my God, the president, goes there to worship. So I have to follow him, possibly as CDS, Chief of Defense Staff. But from now, please, whenever I follow God to worship that nonsense God, may God forgive me. He has seen that it is error, worshiping idol. Who led the man to know this? A slave Captive care without position status. Without position. So, whoever you are, when I saw it and when God showed it to me, I don't need to be a bishop to influence my generation. You don't need to be the president of the fellowship to influence your, your generation. You don't need to be the vicar of this church to make people know God more in this church. We don't need that. All we need to know is who am I? What does... I told you we are going to read a lot of Bibles. We are leaders. 
let's let's look at what I refer to that that Matthew chapter five. We are coming back to where we read, but we really need to take time this morning. We are ending the talking session by twelve, then we can use a few minutes to discuss and ask questions. Matthew five. I would like you to look at the, the people he was talking to before we go to verse 4, 13. Matthew 5, look at verse 1 first. The recipients of that instruction. Matthew 5, 1. And seeing the multitude. Who saw the multitude here? Jesus. After the 40 days fasting, after the 40 night fasting after the temptation, the first sermon he preached. You can see it is the most comprehensive sermon Jesus preached on a spot. It covered three chapters of the Bible. Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 7. One sermon. Sermon on the mount. And if you are a Bible student very critically, that sermon covers 22 soft talk peaks about Christian life. 22 soft topics about Christian living. Which means, if you read these three chapters of the Bible and follow them seriously, brothers and sisters, you must not just be a wonderful Christian or a powerful Christian leader. 22 subtopics, every aspect of the Christian life. In these three chapters, every other thing you find in the Bible is an elaboration on what Jesus taught here. And whom did he talk to? Say, and seeing the multitudes. He didn't want to talk to the multitude about the kingdom matter that are very important. Multitudes are miracle seekers. They are not kingdom seekers. That is the confusion of our generation. The multitudes are solution seekers, not salvation seekers. You tell, oh, there is a man of God in, uh, uh, where is it? I'm a chocolate. He just arrived in Nugu recently. See multitude tomorrow. Because they are not looking for God. They are looking for, not even miracle, magic. Yes, miracle has principles. Read your Bible. Many of you here are scientists. There is one principle I saw when I did my advanced mathematics, even though I failed it anyway. But I learned something. <laughs> I'm not a science student, so I, I, they pushed me there. I failed. They brought me out. Yes, I, I told them I want to read law. They gave me science technology. I told my uncle, bring me out here. I will break record here. I know my, give me one textbook that is as big as this pulpit. One week I will, so far there is no X plus Y there. I will read it and make my A, no matter how abstract it is. But put 2X plus 2Y is equal to, I will say it's 20X and W. I don't know it. He pushed me there. Well, let me not distract you with one. But I broke record. Because first semester, I took nine courses, I failed seven. And I tried so much. 
second semester nine courses I failed six. In one year, 13 carryovers. They pushed me away. <laughs> but no knowledge is a waste. I learned, I met a mathematics there that showed me every discipline got their origin from the word of God. I'm talking about miracle. You know, this mathematics, you know better than me. This is my elementary knowledge. It's called calculus. You remember? Calculus. Within the family of calculus, we have differentiation and integration. There are two words that are too important there. If and then. It's from the Bible. They got it there. If you diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God and obey his commands and keep his precepts, then that is calculus for you. <laughs> so those looking for miracles, they must follow God's principle. But those looking for magic, magic has no principle. Oh, look at me now. Fire, fire will come out of my mouth. Oh, fire will come. But look at that Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, what did he do next? I told you we are interacting. We are interacting. What did he do? We are. Christian leaders and disciples are mountain top people, not valued dwellers. Valley, valley. And you know what it takes to go up to the mountain? You must spend the energy, you must sacrifice comfort, you must be ready to take risk while climbing the mountain. That's where disciples and leaders stay. He went up to the mountain. And when he was set, what happened? His disciples came unto him, not the multitude. Who came? In other words, the leaders. Every disciple is a leader. That's what we are cleaning up this morning. Every child of God is a leader. It was only the disciples that went up. To the mountain. And in verse 2, you see, most of the times you don't know the difference between preaching and teaching. Majority of preachings are for the multitude. Teachings are for disciples and leaders. And that is what is lacking in our churches today. Teaching ministry is collapsing in our churches. Because before you teach, you must sit down to study, prepare, pray, articulate. It needs discipline. How many young preachers have discipline? There's one look one 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 verse of the Bible. Oh, you shall be the head and not the tail. That's the sermon topic. Nobody has to teach the people. You know, when we talk of prosperity, I believe in prosperity, but it's biblical prosperity. Whenever I listen to extreme prosperity preachers, I'm just clearing the ground. We're going to look at what we said. One question is, do you really know, go to teach balance your prosperity message 
with what Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6. He said, Timothy, many who desire to be rich fall into what? Many and diverse snares and they have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Do you balance it? Do you balance it where Jesus said, listen to me, it is easy for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to go to heaven. Do you balance it? What did they portend? Jesus is not condemning riches. He's not condemning wealth. But let me tell you the truth. Before you get a rich man who didn't commit one atrocity or daughter, there are very few, you can find them, but very few, who can carry this Bible, maintain the standard of this Bible, and become rich is possible. But very few people. Very few. The word you say, oh, I tap where you say, your, my general overseer just bought his second, uh, private jet. You see young people say, I tap into his grace. Which grace? What did he do to get the, 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 the jet? Is he still where God wants him to be? Did the Holy Spirit tell him to buy the jet? I preach prosperity to you. I preach it, I believe it, but it is within the context of the Bible provision. And it is doable. So, haven't read, read verse, okay, we have not read verse 2. Have we? And he opened his mouth and did what? Taught. Taught them. He didn't preach to them. From the pulpit you can preach anything, nobody asks you a question. In teaching, People should ask you a question. Last two weeks I've been dealing on a topic on my radio program. I preach on six radio stations every weekend. The topic I've been dealing with for six to two, three weeks, it will run for four weeks, is conformity to the world. Do not be conformed. And the one I treated last week have not allowed me to rest. I preached and thought about praying that your enemies will die. Hi. All manner of phone calls. Because I will announce my phone number. The bishop, what do you mean? Somebody killed my daughter. I want me to pray, not for him to die. Forget that. I won't take it. I said, I didn't write the Bible. Though. I'm only preaching what is there. But that's what we have to contend. Teaching. They will ask you questions. A young girl said, a boy I wasted my whole resources on. We agreed to get married. I spent my parents' money on him. He went abroad. He did his master's, came back. I said, he will not marry me again. You want me to forgive him and not pray that he will die? I said, if you are a Christian, I have given you the Christian standard. It doesn't matter what your emotion and the instinct tells you. He taught them. Teaching at trust. Questions and reactions. Because if you teach me you went to Badagri and somebody touched your shoe 
and fall under anointing and government gave him contract for touching your shoe. If it is in a teaching, I will ask you a lot of questions. But in preaching, somebody say, I receive, I receive shoe. You are receiving shoe. Shoe anointing. And that's what is confusing the young generation. So this morning, the Bible says, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, now jump to verse 13, where we will come. What did he say? You are the sword of the earth. But if the sword have lost its savour, where which shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and be thrown on the food of men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but under a candlestick, and he giveth light unto all that are in the house. The church came in verse 16. Let your light so shine. Before who? Not inside the church. Before men in your office. Before men in your class as student. Before men whom I meet when I'm not in the church as a bishop. Before men in the market. Before men in your village. Let your light. They're talking to disciples and to leaders. That's what we're establishing now. And he said, let your light shine before men. That they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in... So what I, what I was proving here is that leadership is about Christianity and becoming a Christian. It's not about position and status. You're a leader. Whether you hold any office or not. I've told you about the slave care. You're a leader. Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abadnego. Apart from Daniel and later on the other three that were given appointment after the whole incident. Before then, they were not political leaders. They were captives and slaves in a strange land. But they, they made Nebuchadnezzar of all people know that worship of God has no compromise, no matter what the crowd is doing. And that is one challenge we will deal with, maintaining standard in the midst of confused crowd. Going back to First Timothy chapter 3, I say, Apostle Paul wrote the epistle to Timothy and termed it a pastoral Letter And so it was a letter addressed to a Christian leader. Timothy was a young Christian from Asia Minor. His mother was a Jewess from Jew. And the father was a Greek. But he became Paul's assistant in ministry through the ministry of Paul, at a very tender age. I'm giving this background because age has nothing to do with Christian leadership. Age. If there is somebody that was so young to lead a church of sophisticated, you know, components, it is Timothy. 
Because this church, he was their pastor and bishop, was one of the most complex churches you can rule. So he needed, if it were all, you say, experienced pastor to be posted there. If you are experienced physically but spiritually, you are a novice. You will make shipwreck of Christian leadership. So Paul needed somebody. You know, that church in Ephesus wasn't a casual church. Ephesus was a, a cosmopolitan city that everybody, everything was booming there. False religion inclusive. You know about the goddess or the called Diana. Most of the converts that Timothy was pastoring were converts from the worship of uh, those god Diana and Artemis. Philosophers were everywhere in that place. And some of them were in the church. Jewish men who believe in tradition of the Jewish religion were in the church. Who were converted. But they were carrying their Jewish belief. Then the, the, the challenge of cosmopolitan city of loose life and extreme immorality were order of the day in that church. False teachers and false pastors were ravaging the whole place. And Paul had to talk to this boy. As a young man, I'm sending you there. I'm sending you there. That's why we still read that place where he told him, look, First Timothy 4.12 say, let nobody despise your youth. Let nobody look down on you because you are young. This is not the issue of a gray hair. You can have gray hair physically, but you are a green hair inside. Let nobody look down on you. Ah, because a bishop have said it. All of us should key into it. No argument. Not in spiritual leadership. In spiritual matters, we must become Berean Christians. And if there is any time Christian leaders should become Berean Christians, it is now. What do they do? Upon all the credentials and pedigrees of Apostle Paul, he will preach to them and the Thessalonian Christians will shout, Oh, hallelujah, the Apostle has spoken. The Bible says, No, for the Barbarian Christians, they will first of all say, Thank God for Apostle Paul, he has spoken well. But let us first of all search what? The scriptures to know whether these things Paul was saying, whether they were so in the Bible. That's a challenge. Our Papa has said, our G.O. has said, our Bishop has said, our Archbishop has said. So fight is a doctrinal matter. I remember one experience I had when I was a, a cathedral administrator. Well, I need to do it intelligently. I have to be careful. Oh, I wasn't a bishop, but I was a cathedral advocate. So we had meeting of all the bishops. From south, 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 Anglican bishops, south, south, we call it province too then. So all the bishops came to our diocese, our province, I mean diocese, and we hosted them in the cathedral. Something happened that day. <laughs> I was a young man. After the whole meeting, they came, we went to the bishops' court for entertainment. Well, don't call me an extremist. That's the way I'm brought up. 
No retreat. No surrender. <laughs> That's me. I don't owe you. I'm a fanatic. A fanatical believer because I believe in heaven. I don't gamble with it. So you can take your position. So that day after the whole meeting, they come for, and they sat down, all the big guys, the bishops, sat down. And they were being served. And I was running around as I the king of the cathedral. After running around, I made sure they are now eating. I sat down. I'd be watching them. And one bishop said, ah, Adikin, you are in charge of the, Adik, the, the, the cathedral. I said, yes, sir. He said, can you give me that thing in your front? Bring it to me. I looked at the thing in my front. I laughed. I was laughing at him. He was looking at me. I said, are you not hearing me? That thing is, that thing on top of the table. Bring it to me. I was laughing. He said it the third time. I was laughing. He said, are you, are you, are you confused? And at that point, my bishop came and said, what is it, my lord? He said, I saw you are thinking to give me that thing on the table. And he said, what did he do? He said, he's just there laughing. And bishop said, don't mind, don't mind. What is that? He pointed as the man came, the bishop came and took the thing and gave to the bishop. You know what the thing is? Pound wine. A keg of pan wine. I can't pretend there. Yes, some of you may say, if you touch it, will you go to hellfire? I don't want to touch it. What's your problem? (laughs) I don't want to touch it. The highest thing will happen that day is get out of this place. I said, thank you, my Lord. Thank you. I will run away. But I have something I A lot of people are looking up to me. As a leader, there are things I can't afford to do. Even at this level. I don't do my episcopacy because every bishop is doing his. I receive my manual from the headquarters. So, Paul said, Timothy, I'm sending you to this church. Because this epistle was primarily a warning against false teaching and false teachers. That was epistle, first, first Timothy. And if any time we need to read that epistle, I read it again, I read it again, it is now. The epistle also contains instructions about church administration and worship with a careful description of the kind of life and character every church leader should possess. And that is where our own retreat falls into. Our discussion this morning borders on this demand of the supposed life of a Christian leader. The greater percentage of the problems Christianity is facing everywhere today emanates from church leaders and church leadership. If we get it right at the leadership level, the truth of the matter is that the congregation will follow. The fellowship members will follow. Your children will follow. Some of us don't know you are a leader to your children. Our children in the house, they are looking up to us. When we talk about the 21st century, 
I want to look at about six characteristics of the 21st century. And I will mention the challenges facing us in the century and we ask questions and we go. The 21st century is characterized by one supersonic explosion of knowledge. You know, there was a time we were talking about in 20th century, we talk about the explosion of knowledge, but now it is what? Supersonic. What does that mean? The speed with which knowledge is exploding. When I mean knowledge, all kinds of knowledge. If you see, the first time I saw crazy gene, crazy gene, this thing they call crazy, you know the crazy gene, the one that, yeah, kind of so this generation have become 80% madmen and women. The first time I saw it was in America. I traveled for a program and I came across some young men in the airport. I said, what is this? People of God, I stayed for that program for one week. Before I landed in Lagos, I saw it everywhere. Supersonic. Supersonic. You see these young people, some of them can glue themselves to their phone for a whole day. That's where they get it. Dance step that comes out in Canada this afternoon before 6 p.m. That's dance step is everywhere in the world. Supersonic explosion of knowledge. That's 21st century, and that's what we have to deal with. Second characteristics is all of us know about that particular one word, globalization. And they tell us that now the world has become a global what? Village. Global village. One day I traveled to Abuja, Abuja, yes, Abuja, I went to Abuja last year. I had my phone after some two days. I said, let me see what is happening in my office. I just clicked something installed on my phone to connect my office. And I decided to start from the reception downstairs. I clicked the reception. I saw we have two receptionists there. One, that was 10.30 a.m. One was heavily asleep on the desk. 10.30 a.m. Somebody was sleeping. So I decided to rank the office. I called the line in the reception. I picked. Oh, my Lord Bishop. Oh, I said, how are you? Fine. I said, are you all right? He said, yes, very all right, very all right. I said, why are you sleeping early morning? He said, me, sleep, where? He said, 
say, no, my Lord, we are in the office, we are walking, we just came to work, we finished devotion, we are just walking around dusting things, you know, how can I sleep at a time like this? I called her, I said, you say you are not sleeping. He said, where are you? He said, I'm in the office, you can ask anybody. I said, are you not the one wearing red top and black skirt? Are you not the one? He said, yes, you are putting this kind of earring now. He said, yes, with this kind of necklace now. Said, and you say you are not sleeping. He said, my Lord, are you back? <laughs> <laughs> Are you back? I said, that's irrelevant now. Have I proved my case? Said, I'm sorry, sir. You know, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. Global village. I was in Apoja seeing what my receptionist is doing in the office. That's the situation. It is like that in religious matters. Social life. Everything is in their hand. And we have to deal with it. Every false doctrine preached somewhere now, next ten minutes, is everywhere. How do we deal with that in the 21st century? Number three. Another characteristic of 21st century is extreme pleasure and sensuality. Sensuality, I didn't say sexuality. Extreme pleasure. Whatever that gives people pleasure now. You know, when I look at what comedians do, even in Nigeria, in this extreme poverty situation, you hear them advertise like they have one this coming Saturday, I think in a co-hotel Lagos, the comedians. They say, laugh your heart out. Pleasure. And they say, Normal ticket, 10,000. VIP, 50,000. Table, 1 million. VIP table, 2.5 million. And people are rushing to pay. Advertise crusade. And say, this crusade, before you come to hear the word of God, to 2,000. How many people will come? Pleasure. Pleasure. Those of you in the social media, just see these girls that are shamelessly serving Satan. They will dress provocatively and show everything that they need to, not to show and place it in Facebook. Next one hour, go and check the comment. Two million comments. Oh, you look takeaway. You look tantalizing. You look shop right. You look... Now, sister, put on your hair scarf well. Carry King James Bible. And, no, pose as if you are coming from the church. Post it in Facebook. Two weeks, go and check your comment. <laughs> you will be, some of you will be angry. You, you look like the first Adam that has no cloth. You know, they will so abuse you. Because pleasure is not there. That's why the Bible says, The love, light has come, but men 
loved darkness because their deeds are. So we are in a generation of everything is now pleasure. And it's a challenge to church leadership. This is why we are now playing down on church standard to accommodate this pleasure and spiritualize it. As two messages I preach, one is heathens in church uniform. The other one is Christianized idolatry. We want to accommodate pleasure. Oh, dance anyhow, dance anyhow, shake anything. Number four. This generation is known for what I call anti-Godism and anti-Christianity. Anti-Godism. That is anything against God. And anti-Christianity. That's the generation we find ourselves. You know, I get worried when you go to aircraft, when you board aircraft. They play all kinds of music in the aircraft. Worldly music and nobody is worried. I was in the airport in Owere last year. And they were the, the young man was playing. He would play one. They call Fino. They play the video. They play. And people were not there waiting for the aircraft. At the point, the man put on one Christian message. The whole, uh, the whole airport went tablets. Who is doing this rubbish? Is this a church? If you want to preach, why not go to church? Every, almost everybody was angry that some message of salvation is coming. But they were all nodding when Davido was talking nonsense. Two face. Somebody with two face. That's hypocrisy. Was talking. They were all nodding. Fino. Robriski, all of them, nonsense things. Anti-Godism. That's what we are contending with as a student in your class. Can you rise up oh, when trackers, trackers, you know when trackers, transport, operational, when it came out newly, I, I like staging drama in trackers as a student too. <laughs> I caused trouble in Krakas and I loved it. <laughs> you know what they wrote in Krakas? Immediately it was floated. Don't hawk, don't preach. The hawking is just to cover up. The target was the preaching. I said, how can I put my money in this transport company without preaching? So any day I don't have any place to go where. I'll go and buy trackers. From Enugu to Oka, or Oka to Enugu. One day we traveled from Enugu to Oka for nearly three, four hours. Because I created trouble. Immediately they left the, the station, said, oh, brethren, good morning, as we are moving out, can we say, hey, what is he talking about? Sit down, don't you see what is written? Driver, park, park, the bar will park. All of us, we keep quiet. <laughs> I will stop talking. After about five, ten minutes, they say, yeah, stop preaching. We cannot go. They will now move after two minutes, as we were talking before. Can we continue the word of God? He said, we throw your hands from here like, like Jonah. The park. I will keep quiet again. For almost four hours, we were traveling. And I was enjoying the thing. You can't intimidate me. My money is there. 
What said the situation that was after what is it? After some two, three hours, one old man said, why are we disturbing ourselves? If we had kept this kept quiet, this young man would have finished his preaching. And we go where? Why not? If you don't want to listen, can't you close your ears? Me, I don't like what he's doing, but let's go on. Allow him talk and we go. If not, we will stay here till 9 p.m. And that was what solved the problem. He said, stupid man, you can now talk. You can now talk. I talked. After one week, I came back. So it came to a point, once they saw me, I said, you again? I, I, I have to preach the gospel. So, what am I talking about? Anti-Christianity and anti-Godism. That's where we are. In the office, you can do anything in that office, but don't talk about Christ. Don't talk about You can see your, the head of the department can come and kiss the other lecturer in the presence of everybody. Nobody is worried. We say, can we start morning devotion in this department? You are in trouble. Anti-Godism and anti-Christianity. Number what? Five. This generation is characterized by what I call social, economic, and environmental correctness at the expense of truth. Social, economic, environmental, and even political correctness at the expense of what? Truth. Don't tell us. If I have time, you know, when I discuss about what they call postmodernism. Postmodernism philosophy. One of their philosophies is there is no absolute truth. That truth is relative. It depends on the environment you tell the truth. That what is truthful here today may not be true there tomorrow. So don't talk about truth. And that's when they drive the action that said, Who are you? It's now the normal thing, the revisionist. In the Western world, they tell you, in the church, one of the provocative things you will say in some churches abroad is that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. They say no. Because of what they call interfaith relationship with Muslims, Hindus, you know, Pekka, they now say, no, in order not to offend anybody, Jesus is a way, a truth and a life. Nothing. Social correctness. Political correctness. So far, in economic correctness, so far this thing will give you money. Like now we talk about Bet Niger. Naira Bet. Bingo Bet. Betty Bingo. With all the bingos in the world. Because of our lazy young people who don't want to be useful to themselves. Do you know we are not justifying betting as a way of life? Even in the church. You see, oh, this church bought one, one V-boot. They want to use it to do Christian raffle so that people will win it in the church. That is called Kalukalu. You know, when we grew up, there are these people that sell 
that do magic and sell something. There is one the Eguhana Gumba, Iwerunka, Iremego, Iwerunka, Iremego, Ewekwananka, Iwerunka, Manem Egoyana. That was why you gambling. But because we don't want to face reality, we are now accommodating it. Bet Niger, whenever I go to, you know, even last week, a young man called me. He says, excuse me, can you help me? So what is it? He said, I'm planning my final exam and the school authority, one university, Southeast here. School authority won't allow me to take the exam and I'm owing four years school fees. I was touched initially, thinking it was because of poverty until he told me his story. He said, sir, please help me. I will not do it again. I said, what? He said, for these four years, I must not deceive you. My parents are peasant farmers. But I've been struggling to make sure they give me my accommodation fee, my school fees. But whenever they give it to me, I don't know what comes over me. I will have the notion that if I use it to bet, the money will come hundreds of thousands. So I will use my school fees and accommodation fee to go for betting. Naira bet, bet Niger, so for four years. And he has not won anything. And now he's in final year, they won't allow him to take an exam. And he wants me to pay four years school fees. I say, for what? No, I don't do that kind of charity work. If you have a genuine case, I know my commitment to young people. I know. But this is not how God will kill me for encouraging you to bet. Go ahead. He said, my parents, if they hear it, they will kill me. He said, be ready to die. No, I can't commit it. What am I talking about? When we encourage certain things, we don't talk about what is the truth. Lottery, Christian lottery. We get involved. And once we get involved, we keep quiet because money comes from it. Number five or six. Six. There are just seven, Abby. The sixth one is liberalism and liberalization of worship of God. It's a challenge in our 21st century. It's a characteristic. Liberalism and liberalization of worship of God. We don't now have laid down principles about Christian worship. The way our worship is becoming too rowdy, even church Sunday worship, too rowdy from the inception to dismissal, noise everywhere, empty noise, no time for meditation, no time for reflection, from one activity you jump another, praise worship, go to testimony, testimony to jump and prayer, prayer to no time to meditate. Liberalism. Come and do it anyhow. Oh, we don't live. You know, young people will tell you, I left that church because our church is becoming too legalistic. We, we want where it is happening. What is happening there? Noise. You are hollow inside. I want to cover it with noise. That's 21st century. Liberalization. Do it anyhow. Dress anyhow. Paint anyhow. Even though you are not a painter. Carry one tire of cake and a pep. Put on your, on your ear as earring. 
one tire, tire. This is one tire, this is one tire. I, I, I respect women. I think your ear is harder than that of men. What you carry? Listen to me. I don't believe that everybody should remove earache. But moderation is important. Are you following me? My wife is not wearing jewelries. It was a personal instruction, not a doctrine. I want to balance it there now. Because some people will preach it as a doctrine. Because you don't wear earrings, everybody should not. It's not true. What I'm preaching is moderation. Our daughter never used jewelry when she was in secondary school. We know she was not of the age of decision. So immediately she took her work and came back. I called her and said, baby, sit down. Do you like jewelries? So she was suspecting the source of this question and the outcome. <laughs> Until I gave her assurance. Say, no, I don't want to you to, I don't want you to be a fake Christian. I don't want you to do what you are not convinced of. You see, your mother, if you put her in the house of commons in America, she will defend what she's doing because God told her. I just want you to, so that anywhere you go, you will stand firm as a believer. <laughs> that, if that is the case, I, I love it too. <laughs> if that is the case, that I love it. I say, I love you. Just be honest, but don't wear tired. Well, from that year till last November she wedded, I was the prime purchaser of all her jewelries. Not to control her, but the type I would like her to wear. She cannot buy it. I buy expensive things. I buy it for her. But I make sure I buy moderate ones, not tired. Why am I balancing it? Moderation is the answer. What you are convinced of, you will go a long way to defend. But what you copy, once you change the environment, you will change. And that's a dangerous Christianity. Finally, characteristic of 21st century, Mormonism. That one is too destructive now. Mammonism. What is Mammonism? What? Some of us say it's love of money. If Mammonism is love of money, I think it's curable. It is the worship of money and material things. We worship money in Christianity now. And it's everywhere in this generation. You don't care where the money comes from. This is the generation where believers we want to float a revival or crusade, they will run to unbeliever for sponsoring it. And that punctures our message. When we were in school as students, we had one student's program in my hometown. Once every semester starts, all of us in higher institution, we start making service from our little upkeep money 
so that we can sponsor that program without running to any unbeliever. You know, something happened one day in our fellowship in Nifes. God wanted to, I think, show us that he can mess us up. We wanted to buy a bus, fellowship bus. And we as co-members, we enter all the rich men, we know their names. We ran to them, gave them invitation, gave them letters, gave them reminders, and they gave us assurance. We were so happy. That day we were the band, play, play, we are waiting, they are coming. The whole thing started on Sunday, 1 p.m. We were dancing and our eyes were fixed on the window when they start coming. 2 p.m. No one came. 3 p.m. None. 4. None. 5. Nobody. Nobody came. By that time it dawned on us that nobody would come. <laughs> we went outside. Few of this government. <laughs> I took cancer together. What do we do? And somebody said, well, maybe God is teaching us not to depend on men. We can do it. We can do it. We came inside. I said, brethren, the Bible, when Jesus, you know, we started preaching. When Jesus was going to Jerusalem like King, the Jews said that the children should stop shouting hallelujah. And Jesus said, if this one stop shouting, the stones, brethren, we are now the stones. Amen. Do you know to our shock, there and there, among ourselves, we raised the money for that boss. That day, made pledges. So while you are coming back from long vacation, and when we were coming back, we bought the boss. My money is in. We have taken gift from Neymar. Yes, and we are suffering from spiritual leprosy in the church, in the fellowship. When you go to an unbeliever to sponsor a revival, what kind of message will you preach if he sits on the front seat? What will you tell him? All of you that buy fake goods to make money, the kingdom of heaven is not for you. He says, stop it. That's the money that is sponsoring this program. Yeah, my money is in. My money is in. We come to church, we give seven offerings in one church service. Not thinking of what the poor, the poor people are tortured by poverty outside. They run to church and we crush them. First offering, offering of flying to heaven without repentance. Come, 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 come. And everybody will say, Hallelujah, go, go, go. Second offering today, no, today is second Saturday or third Saturday, which one? Third Saturday, no, today. Second Saturday, you have to offer second chance miracle offering. Amen. And some of you is that coming up, wasting your money. And whatever you do that is not anchored on the scripture is a waste. I keep on telling these boys that people that talk about money. I don't talk about money often, but I discover one thing. Any time I have a need and open this my mouth to speak about money before any congregation I get ten times I said this church we need to seal it please I need help us I don't struggle but every day as you have four or five days revival every day you must raise fund 
every day you must raise fund. My money is it. That's the challenge. I mean, the characteristic. Now I will run down the challenges that face us as Christian leaders. Remember what we are dealing with? Dealing with the challenges of biblical Christian teach leadership in the 21st century. Let's go back to where we read. We will combine some Bible texts. First Timothy chapter 6, I mean chapter 6, 6 to 10. That's where we get the first, how do we deal with this challenge? And what is the challenge? First Timothy chapter 6, 6 to 10. But godliness with contentment is great. Again, without taking much of your time, the challenge we have now among Christian leaders is the challenge of contentment. What is contentment? Being satisfied with what God has given you. Another dictionary describes the Chambers Dictionary of International English. says it means having peace of mind in your state. Where you are, peace of mind. Contentment. If there is anything Christian leaders should deal with now, it is what? Contentment. Where God has placed you, are you satisfied there? Listen, contentment does not destroy ambition. Are you following me now? So that you don't say, oh, I'm content in having second class lower division. No problem. The Lord is good. That's not what I'm talking about. Contentment is, I'm happy that God brought me to the university. Thank God. Now you now aspire to be the best in that, in that your cause. Contentment is, you are now a doctor. Maybe you are not, you are not a consultant now, or you are not, you have not done your residency or whatever you call your thing. But, how many of your age mates are doctors? Are you contented? Are you satisfied? One day after my consecration, I was driving myself. I, I took my, one of my cars. I was going out just to look around. And the night of the church met me. I stopped. He didn't know I was the one. I stopped and I greeted him. Oh, good morning, sir. He looked at me and he shocked. He didn't even answer my, my greeting. He started screaming. Bishop, what is this? I said, where? He said, no, 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 I mean it. He was so angry. One of the prominent men. He was so angry. Bishop, what is this? What are you really doing? Are you aware that this is Anambra? This is not a missionary diocese. This is a full-fledged diocese. You want to put us to shame? I said, how? Did I commit sin anywhere? So you driving yourself in this diocese that is full-fledged in Anambra State, we can't take it from you, Bishop. The man was fuming. I said, sorry, sir. If you were not older than me, I would have told you what Jesus told Peter. Get behind me, Satan. But I won't say it. (laughs) 
I said, I always say it, no problem. But I put a question across to him. I said, excuse me, sir. How many of my age mates have drivers? This is just a privileged position. And it is not about me, it is about position. One day I will retire, this position will go, and I will remain. What's your problem? I drive myself, is the car crying now? The bishop is driving me, I will not move, I will not move. Let's stop this rubbish. Contentment, I am content that I didn't dream of becoming an archdeacon. Suddenly, I received a call one day by my bishop. Bishop Ikako, how are you? I said, good morning, good evening, my lord. Around 6 p.m., 12 November 2008. How are you doing? I said, my lord, I'm happy. I'm, I'm fine. He said, congrats. I said, on what? He said, my friend, I said, congrats. I said, I don't know now. On what? Before I land into trouble. I didn't know they went for a bishop's meeting. He said, you've been elected a bishop. I said, where? Because by then, speculations of men were that the three dioceses created from a Baclique diocese that I will be made a bishop in one. And I had seven days fasting with this, my wife. I said, God, in this election, may they never remember me. Ask her. So when I see people campaigning to be bishop, I laugh. What Episcopacy did for me is this cross I'm wearing. Every connection I have today, I've had it through my ministry before I became a bishop. Men I've met in my life, I met them through my ministry, not through episcopacy. So I, we fasted, ask her. We were driving from our hometown and we got to, is it in Calago or Uguaba, somewhere, and they announced, the, they, do you know that three bishops have been elected from Abaklike, you know, Mbo, Iko, and Afiko? My mind flew away. I said, oh, your friend, so so and so is Bishop of Afikbo. I said, thank God, that one is God. So so and so place, do you know this person is Bishop of Umbo? I said, I don't know him. I only went to preach in his church when he was in Imo State. And he now the third one. We parked our car. I was driving. She's here. We parked our car on the main road, lifted our hands, and made a promise to God. Said, God, for answering our prayer, we will buy more cartons of Bible to share. I don't want this protocol of carrying staff going up and down. By that time, I can go anywhere and preach and disappear. But now, anywhere, like professor, I have to write a letter, write a letter, write, before I will come here. But if I'm not a bishop, I will sneak here, preach here, disappear. That's my trouble now. But what we're talking about is contentment. I never, I never struggle for things. Be happy where you are as a leader. And it will affect those you are leading. Are you with me? It's a godliness. With what? It's what? Not just gain. Brethren, we will concentrate more on spiritual things when we leaders become contented with what we have. All this mad struggle, we want to measure how great a leader is by the kind of car they drive. It's nonsense. A young man met a, a professor one year. 
who was just ordained newly. I said, Prof, I don't like this your car. This your car. No, 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 no. Because he was made a deacon and he bought a big car. From which money? There's no job. And he saw a professor whose salary can buy that car. Two times. I said, oh, I'm not happy when I see this your car. No, they make one me fair a prof. And that's why Omar Kaji a main channel ministry. Competition about vehicle. What is important about car and the phone and cloth? All of you now, is your cloth not covering your nakedness? What is the primary aim of cloth? To cover nakedness. It's not, oh, I bought this less. One yard. 250,000 a yard. Well, you are foolish. You. you are a waster. In fact, you are prodigal. This, does it cover my nakedness? This car, you are carrying, you know, Bentley, you are carrying Rolls Royce, you are carrying Ferrari, you are carrying G-Wagon or X-Wagon, and I'm carrying Passat. All of us want to go to Unizikoka. After two hours, are we not there together? What's your problem? What is important about phone? Hello? Can you hear me? Whether it is Nokia 5 or iPhone X, are you not communicating? Why this madness? It has destroyed Christian leadership. It has. Number two challenge we have in this our biblical Christian leadership is what we see in First Timothy chapter four, verse twelve. First Timothy four twelve. Paul was talking to Timothy, his son. He said, "Let no man despise thy, but be thou an example of who." It seeks six areas. That's a huge. Challenge because the challenge there is exemplary Christian life in leadership. People are tired of beautiful sermons. They want to see the practitioners of the sermons so that they can copy them. People are tired of good Bible study leaders. They want to see the doers of the Bible study. People are tired of seeing wonderful choristers who can blast your head with, you know, in our church. That this one chorus we sing, Hallelujah chorus. You know it. Hallelujah. Very beautiful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he shall People don't want to hear the beautiful song. They want to see Christ reign in your life. You know, I met one man, a chorister. He sings bars. Bars. I met him one day. When they go for their exam competition, they acquire his first grade in their diocese. When they sing, he's called one man riot squad, bars. Once he's there, you can forget every other bars. Well, I was interacting with one, with him one day. I'm talking of exemplary Christian life. He said, sir, <laughs> it's God though. I was commending him, how you sing. He said, it's God though. You see, whenever we have singing competition, early in the morning, 
Once I take fresh one gallon of fresh palm wine, I can sing for hours without any problem. I said, sure. So this man singing hallelujah and a palm wine they single. I was troubled. Hallelujah, chorus under pan wine. And that's the problem. Exemplary Christian life. Paul said, be you an example in six areas. One young man, six areas. Do you see the areas? He said, be thou an example to the believers. Number one, in word, that is in speech, what you say. Number two, in conduct or conversation. Number three, in what? In charity, that is love. Do we love genuinely in the churches today? Don't we have cliques and divisions and those that are special and those irrelevant? After love, in what again? In spirit. Some of us have very aggressive spirit. Very argumentative spirit. Very the spirit that condemns whatever everybody does except you. So be an example in spirit. In faith. And finally, in what? Purity. Holiness of life. Be example. And you know one thing about this example too. Paul was a perfect demonstrator of that. You know, he looked at that sophisticated church in Corinth. Very challenging church. Before you can have a clean slate in church in Corinth, you must have, you know, done great things. But he looked at it and said, in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, you know what he told them? Imitate me. Just as I also, how many of us we say to the people we are leading, including our children, parents here. I went to a minister somewhere in Abuja and the family decided to give me dinner. After the dinner, they will see me off with a, to, to take me back to my hotel. And they have a massive building in Metama, Abuja. So young couple over there rich. That's where we're coming. Their last child. Very, the boy is very smart. He's about six years or there, about seven, I don't know, about six, seven. So as we were going, the boy ran out. I said, Dad, I want to follow you to see uncle to the car. I want to follow you. The dad looked at him. I said, Junior, don't follow me. He said, Dad, why? He said, Junior, you can't come out here without having footwears on your foot. You're not wearing anything on your feet. So stand there, we're coming. We just see him out there. The boy stood. We moved about two, I don't know, about two meters. The boy started coming again. The father said, Junior, what is wrong with you? And the boy stood. We moved again, the boy started coming. The father became angry. So you are becoming naughty, that's not you. Have you started learning this? What is your problem? The boy laughed. His laughter caught my attention. I called the dad, excuse me, do you, can I interact with him? This laughter carries meaning. I said, what's your name? He called the name of the boy. I said, ah, do you want to come and see me? He said, yes, uncle. You want to follow? I said, yes, uncle. I said, come. He laughed and hugged me. I was looking like the father. I was still laughing. I bent low. 
I said, but your dad said, don't follow us. And you were laughing. He laughed again. I asked him again. He said, very smart boy. He beckoned on my brought my ear to his mouth. He said, see daddy's leg. See daddy's leg. <laughs> the father was not wearing anything. I was commanding somebody not wearing anything. And that is our leadership. The boy said, look at daddy's leg. Nothing. <laughs> I doesn't want me to come. This is a challenge to Christian leadership. I said, Bishop, can I tell my priests? Imitate me. It's not about good sermon. I said, priest, can you tell your congregation? The way I handle church money, imitate me. The way I talk to elderly people. Because at times, you take a position and you forget those that are older than you. Maybe, sorry, I can't go on carnival. Ibu kochuku mwunyo kochuku. Ifunde mama, mama prof, bro, maka prof, but age. Onya mutara mama muroge. After Adam, Mrs. Beatrice. Ono ga da kwa rechi. Ke, ifoma, ifoma abo kozontante. Isi awa denise. Genwa kametara, igabero you service, mwunyo kochuku. No, you can't respect people. No, it's impossible. I'm not saying, Muna, my wife cannot, non a congregation. We can't call you by your first name. I got Mama Onya. Mama, example, in humility. Nibu president of a fellowship, Onya, when I'm a fellowship, then a pocket, you are confused though. Example, the way you talk to people. Do you say sorry when you use offensive language on people as a leader? Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, they will apologize to me. You know, I read something in the social media, I laughed. I said, the way African mothers apologize to their children. <laughs> it will mess you up and do a lot of things to you. Instead of saying, I am sorry, forgive me, my son. Say, just be there and squeeze your face. Your, f- your food is on the table. Go <laughs> If you like, remain there and be squeezing your face. Your food is on the table, no? Apology. They can't tell you I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Christian leadership. You know, there are some of us, before we became bishops, we were friends to some people, some priests. Once they make you his lordship, promise if you say, can I get that? Hi. How are you? How are you? Run away. No way. We must remain friends. We must. There are some of my friends now, in fact, my archdeacon called on my diocese, Mumeri Archdeacon. But all the time, I said, I Bishop and I Ephraim, I said, I said, I He was my friend. In fact, he was my best man when I wedded. So by dint of God's provision, I became a bishop. He was still a canon. Now I brought him to my diocese, made him an archdeacon, but we talk about our Ephraim, the way he bishop. I said, Ephraim, 
Ephraim corner from Lordship na Nayad. And I'm not of one memba that an ankat bonoma person. Ume man ankan we friends mun abu colleagues. Onyankan never get. Oh, dang, I'm an associate, official, I get up with my love bishop. I'm put on phone, I'm if you want them, can you want them, I got. Yes! Oh, yeah, I'm on that, I'm buying my fellowship. Bro, if you can't get them, make it up. And I like it, bro, Campbell before bishop. And the elder shall control the younger. My title has brought thorough lordship. So we should show example of humility. Now again, I'm not going to school, a Buddhist professor. Doesn't make you a superhuman being. As a Christian, you should relate with them well. I don't know whether we are making sense this morning. Example leadership. The flock is looking up to us. I need say, Alioku. You don't, you don't listen to advice because you are a leader. Any leader that doesn't listen to advice must fail. Whoever you are, when location men in August, I, I made transfer. That's what we call in our location. I transfer priest in August. I was abroad for my annual vacation with my family. So, a young man called me. We particular church. We put the archdeacon, send the archdeacon also. A young man called me. He said, "Bishop, we saw your posting, but I want to tell you, my Lord Bishop, with due respect, this posting will destroy this church. That man that is coming will not hold. I'm not a priest. I'm not intending to be one, but I am a member of this church. You can ask. We remember, eh? As a bishop." Say, God, please, what's the truth about this matter? Then a group of young men went and wrote a long letter sent to my email, because they can't come to office, I wasn't in Nigeria. And they listed about nine strong reasons why that transfer is wrong. Do you know one thing? That's another area of respect, of carefulness. They say the whole things without insulting me. At the end of the day, you know how they concluded. My Lord, we just aid our view. You are the bishop. If after considering what you say, that you say it's not right, you can uphold your transfer. After reading that, I picked my phone, called the clerical senior secretary. I said, please, this particular posting should be put on hold. I have seen more reasons I didn't know before to listen to these people. It didn't stop me from being their bishop. It brought my respect higher that I listened to them. It brought my respect exemplary leader, humility, listening to people, whoever you are. What's the time? Then my time is up. Eh? Can we stop here? Eh?
No. Who are you? Did you bring me? Only one man has the right to say no and it will hold. But can I rush in next seven minutes? Do we go? Okay. The third challenge we have, we need to deal with, is challenge of sound doctrine and teaching. This is very crucial now. Second Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2 to 5. I'll rush it when you go home, digest it more. Second Timothy, that's a challenge to leaders in 21st century. Said, preach the word. Leaders, what does the Bible tell us? It didn't say preach word, but they. Not everything we preach is the word. Say, preach the word. And in preaching it, be instant in season. Let nobody take you for granted. You preach it today, you stop tomorrow. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove them. Let your preaching contain reproof at times. Let it contain rebuke. There are sermons that should be anchored on rebuke when people are erring from the doctrine of the Bible. Teach it in the fellowship, teach it in the home, teach it anywhere. Why should we preach? He said, exalt with all long suffering and doctrine. Why? Verse 3 answers the question. What does verse 3 say? For the time will come when they will not endure what? Sound doctrine. But after their own loss shall they heap to themselves teachers having eaten new stories that are baseless. And that's what is raining now. That is a challenge to all of us here. In this 21st century, will you adhere to sound doctrine and sound teaching? Forget this story. Somebody will come up and say, oh, this cook, the Lord told me last night as I was taking my bath, that I would pray over this cook, it has turned into real blood of Jesus. Anybody that drinks it now, you are healed, you will prosper. And people will line up, not free of charge. I'm talking of our church. This is not outside matter now. A lot of nonsense have come into our church, doctrine-wise. Doctrine-wise. What I told you is what happened in one of our churches recently. The priest in Wednesday prayer said God told him that this is the blood of Jesus. And he has prayed over it. Anybody that comes to drink it from this prayer will now never be sick, will never be poor, will never be affected by poison. Yeah, come, come, come. And people started coming. He now said the main thing. Those of you that want to drink with big glass, no, this happened in our church, in our church, Anglican church. Stand here, 50,000, one glass. Those that want smaller sh- glass, 10,000. 10, well, because of my magnanimity, those I will take very small, 2,000. If you don't have it, go and borrow. You will never be sick again. Sound doctrine. And people came out in our church. After that, a priest had it and went to him. I said, not in my diocese, but in our province. The priest ran to him and said, what did I hear you did? 
said, no, assessment. assessment. I said, can you not pay assessment without deceiving the people and playing why you? But that's where we are. Today we are object carriers. It's either you're carrying holy water, holy oil, holy handkerchief, holy salt, holy sand, holy mantle, holy koboko, holy... When I say this koboko, you laugh. Come to my area. Newe. There is one vigil they do once every night. They call it koboko night. Everybody coming for that vigil must come with a big blala. Koboko. What is it? Satan must we hear and wait tonight. And at the right, I said, flog him, flog him, flog him. Vya, vya, sweating. Doctrine everywhere. Doctrine of do it anyhow. Christianity has no restriction. As sisters, dress anyhow. God does not look into your dressing. He looks into your heart. Says who? Romans chapter 12. What does he say? Verses 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you should do what? Present what? Bodies. Your bodies are living Holy and what? Acceptable to who? To God, not your pastor. Acceptable to God. He said, This is your only reasonable service. Service. Verse 2 said, And do not be conformed to where? This world. In dressing, a leader should be a model. In going to work on time, a leader should be a model. In doing your PP, private practice, you should not steal official time to do it. You are not showing an example. Upon a government where you go, a doctor, where your own clinic, nothing is wrong. But don't use government time to go and be in your clinic. You are a thief. Also, the Subani Example. Doctrine. Number four. First Timothy chapter four, six, eleven, and twelve. I don't want to waste your time. You gave me seven minutes and I'm using it. To close now. But I must read that place. First Timothy chapter 6. But thou, O man of who? Not man of the people. You know, some of us are becoming man of the people instead of man of God. People clap for you. Oh, you're a wonderful pastor. You're a digital pastor. Our pastor is digital. Where are you called to be digital? Are you not called to be spiritual? But people say, oh, you are a digital pastor. You don't go to pulpit with, with, with Bible again. You are digital. You punch the thing. We watch you. We love it. Off you, pastor. If you go to this pulpit with iPad, not where you jot things, but you read from it with, as Bible, you are a deceiver. Because young people will now throw away Bible and use phone. 
And where you are, I am handling a case now. It's not a beautiful case, but that is the issue of phone. Umwonye phone, Bible, Jehovah. Umwe phone, there is a holy phone, William. Holy phone, raise it up. Which means the only thing it contains is the word of God. Why you are with that phone? Some calls will come, some charts will take place, some days we do that. Let's not deceive this generation. It's a challenge. I have a case now of a priest. I need now. No, not I need people now. Sorry, I'm talking to you as a leader. Don't go and say my priest is This is leadership garden or a child's play. No, not go, not go. The wife will not grab the phone here. Maybe I will full WhatsApp chat. Yana wabobia the dirty. Rubbish. But do you know one thing? When now I send that dicking, go and know how this happened. To our greatest shock, we looked at the time they were chatting. A Bruna priest in no me me chance on Sunday. O Kotukos on Eko Kuchukuna pulpit on one in the altar. Na chance, na chat makakwa miko. Take a time of someone that Sunday me chat na take take him born. Exactly when the someone was going on, he was wearing holy garment in a holy sanctuary, doing unholy things. Let's not deceive ourselves. I am not computer illiterate. So don't say, oh, because of my... I have... My iPad is here. It's for private studies. I have about 17 Bible versions in my iPad. But I use it for private studies and research and preparation for my sermon. Not for... Pulpit. Young people. In fact, one gospel you preach, in our Ghanos or now, so it's a Bible. In either way, Jesus is Lord. True or false? You just carry this Bible, say, God bless you. Good morning, ma. Good morning, ma. And then you say, Adiakwa, Adiakwa. The Bible, Adiakwa. But when you carry phone or iPad, nothing happens. Need your phone. Bible have enough intimidation to the devil. So I want to beg you. It's a serious matter. A serious matter. So, I was reading First Timothy. Verse 11, I want to close with it. O man of God, flee these things. Follow afterward righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. We are unto thou art also called, and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. 
I give you charge in the sight of God. Who quickeneth of things and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession. Verse 14 where we are stopping. That thou keep this commandment without what? Spot. Unrebukable until the appearing. From this place we saw four things that is a challenge to us. Number one, what we flee from as Christian leaders. What do you flee from? Flee from fornication, flee from covetousness, flee from schism and division, flee from unforgiveness, flee from maligning another person, flee from, you know, slandering one another. Flee these things. Flee from greed and avarice. Number five. What we follow after as leaders. What do you run after? Follow after righteousness. That's what we read. Follow after, run after righteousness. Whoever is fleeing from something is running after something. So if you flee from all these vices, you should run after righteousness, faith, godliness. What are you running after as a leader? And does the people or do the people you lead see it to you? Number five. Number what? Six. What we fight for is a challenge. Many of us are fighting for different things apart from fight the good fight of faith. The Christian faith is a fight. When people see me, I say, oh, Bishop, you know, I was talking to a man. He called me on phone last three days. A multi-millionaire. We were talking. He was complaining that I don't ask after him. So along the line, we got into a discussion. The man said, Bishop, we are businessmen. You see, those of you who are dead, you go to heaven freely because you don't have challenges. I laughed. The easiest place to go to hell from. Is where I am now. It's not a joke. It's not as easy, as easy as you think. Except I am connected to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Scriptures, I must misfire. It's in, a, in our church, if you go to the constitution of every diocese, you see the power of a bishop. And that's why many of us the Holy Spirit doesn't control you. You use that power arbitrarily and do terrible things. In that constitution, in the Anglican Church, there is nothing like, no, my Lord. If I call the accountant of the diocese and I say, um, accountant, can you transfer 10 million to my account in the next five minutes? What will be the answer? Yes, yes my Lord. And that money will move. I need the Holy Spirit to say, my friend, this is stealing. This is stealing. It's not your money. So it's not about being in the church system that serves you. Terrible things happen in church system. And finally, what we lay hold on is important. Paul told Timothy, in this your leadership, whatever you do, Lay hold on what? 
many Christian leaders, unless we take serious these things, may end up in hellfire, God forbid. Many stardom crowd pullers. Many miracle workers. Fashion about say, oh, I, I want to grow, I want to grow. Do you grow in grace? Lay hold on eternal life. People of God, that's where I want to hold on for today. If you have any question, we can discuss for the next five, ten minutes. I can take it. If you don't have question, we pray and disappear. Yes. Question on leadership, on whatever that is concerning our Christian life or some things we've said or what we have not said but is bugging you as a leader. Yes? Any question or any contribution? Yes, sir. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, my Lord Bishop. Sir. Um, from yesterday, I was privileged to listen to you. And uh, one of the examples you gave yesterday, I was pondering on it throughout the night. The issue of uh, a man that was leading a, a, a crusade of about 2,500 people. Yeah. And the uh, armed robbers came in and uh, had their way. And I was just thinking that if it were in the time of the old, when Abraham was interceding for Sodom and Gomorrah, and uh, even came as low as uh, whether five people could be saved. I mean, five righteous people, if they were in that congregation. And I was now saying, are we now saying that a crusade or whatever gathering of about 2,000 Christians, there's nobody that God would, for the person's sake, make those armed robbers not to have their way? Or is it that God purposely left that answer for them to learn. Secondly, from what you uh, told us today, these powers conferred on, a bish on bishops. It takes God for them to act like human beings. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying that is that. Okay, it, <laughs> what I'm saying that is that in my home diocese, I won't mention the name unless you know where I come from. So many things are going wrong. And you discover that a bishop ha may have no respect for, you know, the type of teaching we are telling us about maybe age. You will see a bishop calling on anybody, maybe that person may be about 20 or 30 years older than the bishop, and then calling on him in, in any hell. And they have introduced so many things which I think are not scriptural. For example, on the New Year day, I worshipped in my home church. And there was these candles distributed to members that we should come and lighten the candles and take the light to your various homes, to wherever you are living. And I refused to go. And to some believers in the village complied. And after the church service, I said, from where did we read all this in the Bible? So, so many things, doctrinal issues are coming up. And how do we handle them as Church of Nigeria? 
Okay. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, sir. And uh, we are not here to discuss bishops. Uh, we will need to talk privately. We will need to talk privately. If it were my diocese, I may speak a lot of things, but, sir, we will talk. But, the first question. <laughs> what was the question? Whether God will not look on anybody in that congregation to handle the arm robbers. I have two answers to it. One, at times God allows some things to happen generally to call our attention to something serious. He might have allowed that to, because my friend pastor was talking with tears. Just like what my friend Reverend Father told me one day, that somebody, a millionaire in their church cathedral there, their Roman Catholic, will buy almost everything age in your Indiana harvest. The father went to ask for money. The man said, Look, father, if not this white you're wearing, I'll beating you up. I'm not owing you. Go and tell God who I am owing to come and collect his money. I don't know whether you follow that story. At times people challenge us to know whether we are still real men of God. But that one, the Reverend Father was talking and said, what do I do? He's my friend. I held hand with him. I said, that man threw a challenge. Is he owing you? Let's hold our hands and call God. If he is not bad, he should go and collect his money. From the man in his own way. We prayed that prayer. That man had six three-story buildings and two-story buildings in Abakliki. Within one year, he sold all of them. Sold all his lorries and started taking Okada. Has God not gone? At times, they will challenge you to show them. So I think that's part one of the question. Part two is that leadership at times, is very superior in consideration for God. There are things or something a priest or a layman will do in my diocese. God will not use it to deal with that diocese generally. But if I am involved, the diocese is in trouble. So leadership should look into ourselves. God can do these things to call us to order. Not the man and his church, but all of us. He didn't stop with him. What, how do you describe? I just, because of time, told only that one. To see that a cupboard is taking place in our church. When I mean church, I don't mean Anglican church. Christian churches. How do you describe a man and the wife came to the church and knelt down and was receiving Holy Communion? They've given him the wafer. The, the other priest was bringing the wine. Two boys walked from the west door straight to that where they were kneeling and shot them dead and went away and nothing happened. It's a signal of revival. We are talking about will you not revive that walk? We need to go back. We don't blame anybody. So when the church has misfired, Satan will have a field there. I am sure we have misfired. 
we are laying emphasis on minors and neglecting the majors in the church. So, sir, God is calling us to order. Because if it were Elijah, and you come there, you know when there is it him or Elijah was on the mountain, who? I think it's Elisha. Sophisticated soldier, that wasn't even inside the synagogue, in the bush. Um, man of God, come down, the king wants to see you. What did he say? The man laughed. They said, oh, you called me a man of God. Okay. He might be man of God. Let fire. Come down. Kill all of you. Did he say it why? What happened? Fifty soldiers died on the spot. Why wouldn't there be a revival? But because Satan was determined, they went back and reinforced with greater terrible soldiers. They came second time. That one said, look, I'm not like the captain. I'm a major general. Man of God, come down now. We're moving to the king. No problem. Oh, major. Uh, higher consummation will take place. If I'm a man of God, let the same fire come down. Once. The man wasn't speaking in tongues. Even when he speaking in tongues, of Ojo. Ojo. The man didn't speak in tongues. He knew when he was. He had not compromised. He had not broken covenant. So God honored his word. The third soldier When we take up, as I was saying it in our car yesterday, when many ministers of gospel if we go back to our life of sanctification as ministers, we will correct so many things. So, who am I to arrest you? It's only that the Oga said I should come here. No problem. We're done. We're done. But if you want, we can go. If you don't want, I'll go back to Oga and go say, follow that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I revive our Batagueris. No one go fear. So now you go. That is problem. Not for the bishops, not for the priests. All of us. We have tampered with our covenant. And the devil is having a field there. It's all about that pastor. It's all of us. When he told me the story, I felt bad. It's not about him. It's about the church. So, uncle is over Sarakando. Thank God, the moron in Kegi. You want enough light in a beggy. I'm not going to move free and introduce. In case they convince from here, do. In case they don't, not beggy. Because I'm Morocando, I'm not going to knock out. I'm not going to knock out. I'm not going to that's, that's biblical convention is important. Don't do things because everybody is doing. But many of you can influence bishops if we approach them respectfully. Both for I told you how they approached me like a transfer. Oh my God, youths. They wrote their names concerned youths of so so and so at the care. But they were respectful. 
I got your message. I will now number one, two, three more. Prof allowed. Finally, you. Uh, good afternoon. Good afternoon, sir. I will say that I'm mostly excited to be in this fellowship today. But my question is leadership a spiritual issue or a mental issue? He said, is, you know, leadership. Leadership. Is it a spiritual or mental? Yes. Both. You cannot lead spiritually if you are not mentally alright. <laughs> yes. They are both. You need mental and intellectual capability to organize spiritual leadership. God talks to your spirit through your mentality. So that's that's the, you combine the two and we don't can all along with it. Yes, sir. Okay, my Lord, please my question still borders on conviction. Yes, sir. So like the example that you gave about the keg of uh, keg of pan wine. Yes, sir. You know, where your conviction is against that. But another archbishop came and Delivered it. So, is there no particular standard in the scripture apart from conviction? Because one person's conviction may not be the same with the other person. Okay. And my very challenge with me, like I had a problem last December, that there's an uh, occasion that we organize, as uh, we call it in Igbo, so personally, I don't like anything. In fact, I don't have anything to do with alcohol. And this was, it became a challenge. My sister, my elder sister, that if you are not going to present alcohol, that you better not talk of the such occasion. I said, but I don't have, I'm not convinced. But they went behind me and bought even the pan wine. And I was in a crossroad of whether to ask them not to present it or not. So please, is there no particular standard? Because when we say that uh, Paul said you take a little alcohol in order to for stone, you know, for your stomach. Uh, Why this person said another verse yeah, we say don't take. Crazy. Please. So if you want to take a little alcohol, you first of all develop stomach problem. That's number one. Because that one is bothering on because of your stomach upset. So you be do good all you have for. Look, brothers and sisters, let's, let's come to terms with this now. If I take the last question. Con- every conviction is derived from the word of God. Because at times we drag personal instinct beyond their level of conviction. That bishop that carried the wine will not go to hellfire because he carried it. 
But my own was issue of conviction and I didn't carry it. I wasn't preaching it. I shouldn't touch. But you know the difference between what you are saying? Let me show you something to drag it to differentiate conviction and personal decision. Judges chapter 13. Please permit me we read it. Judges chapter 13. Until we draw line with these things. Look at verse 9. Judges 13.9 quickly. And God hearkened to the voice of Manoah. And the angel of God came again unto the woman as she sat in the field. Then Manuel, her husband, was not with her. And the woman made haste and ran and showed her husband and said unto him, Behold, the man had appeared unto me that came unto me the other day. And Manuel arose and went after his wife and came to the man and said to him, Art thou the man that speakest unto this woman? And he said, I am. And Manuel said, Now. Let thy words come to pass. How shall we order the child? And how shall we do unto him? Does anybody have New King James Version here? Anybody? I want you to read verse 12 for me. Manuel said, Now let your words come to pass. What will be the boy's rule of life? That's and what his I'm work? looking for. That's what I'm looking for. In matters of conviction, we can't rule out peculiar instructions in a particular situation by God, which should not be generalized. Samson was not the only boy born in that land. But there was a peculiar case and circumstance he had to pursue. So God gave him peculiar way and instruction. That's why when I was balancing the issue of jewelries, God can call a woman and say, from today, don't use any... Like he told my wife, say, I, if you can she was using it very well. She come from a family where they take care of her before she got married. Uh, the brothers were well blessed. So they were, she's the first daughter, they were praised. You know, it was wonderful for her. And after her conviction, I got, conversion, God said, drop it. You sacrifice it for me, I will take you to places. It wasn't easy for her. But when it came to my daughter, I said, no, God didn't tell you this. Do you like it? So conviction should not be taken out of context. At times there are personal conviction. Then on matters of sin generally, God gives general instruction and directive. Nobody should talk about it. But if it comes to peculiar circumstances of personal conviction, look at the instruction. Manuel says, Angel, come. You have told us this boy will deliver Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Now, what shall be the boy's rule of life? Not all his mates' rule of life. The boys. When I was in university again, I didn't have conviction on it. They would then see where I heard the wrong. 
my brother was buying it imanishima abribu keta kamba tokotea moneyar the raining hair cream bao spotting wave my brother abobu do ibunya kon egotelum and in tesia anisi putana hey brother from isia makaisia makonte one day god say from today when the spotting wave became idol fellowship can because bible study na fellowship grand and eke class ncheta eteromude arako class ana eke na hostel god from today no more when you are disobeying nobody knows except you and God until after a year plus and say God I'm sorry but I will not go to tell you if our brother tell you then he said no but he said the wrong doctrine so conviction adequate personal God gives you that personal conviction and you have to stand by it Mana don't make personal matters general doctrine before you cause trouble on the church so upon it they convinced my like when we married my elder brother wanted to fight me to stand still alcohol it was a war in my family I'm the last born everybody was commanding me we are eight, four men, four women, more of a last. But when it came to condition, he said, bro, okay, I'll walk. One we never make on your long way. Um, Jega, two, bo, India, in a DJ long way. How many are born again? Three, how many boko chuku? I was a priest. I was born again. Money, not my money. By that time, my father was alive. When it become too bad, he said, "Nay, guy, if you ever are now bangku, till the infinite level till that day, mabu ne bromayaga." I called my father. I called him to order. No, bagona go kukwe. No, why you on a kuamana last born? They teenage your parents are sad for two months, and no man get me with. Am I marrying for you? So fight good fight of faith. Oh no, dear. Like in case a matter here, I go in where conviction. In where conviction, I now look at all. 
Unwe governor kwa romo wane nya Sim Akwoko yungwane ngoro Sim bishop na yeye butere mbia Okwa mbada na abanku wane Ya bukota alambia Nse na made yuzi bia Na mbuchigare Na si buchigare Yaka ya bunye mot Nse ya yes Your excellency Wasinkai mandonji mwye Iwubi ike bubia Wejendi okoke Nse ya your excellency Ya hawako na ito gana levela Ingwa ngwa butere mbia so you know, I know back to sender. They took a good man, your gum, right from day one. By now, law, gummany or child, my father in law, God bless him wherever he called me. So no one had their own one that I bring your quarter, the opera, I said, Man, your chapia, who's born up on Gakwisa, Papa. He was a man, law. I'm law, happy. No problem, Burumani or Cham or Bia Batana Bay, I got quite disappointed. Na yes, or I may fuck, man, I am a sins in Nabata Bia Mara de Angwine, I won't de fuck. I had a long quarter. Namburi, then I can hide the surprise. Narabundo won a long way, I can alone and be So here I got your one, I'm gang singing, put in a man, you can hear an unwilling to quack and go. Mweje buo moto Kana gumboye dobo Mana ago kukwe kala alo Ovoro Ovoro ago obyamu Ima mwe brede ena alo ago obyamu So you people should Marahe wa ago kukwe na Na hadi alasigi Ebutene manyo chagi Buru moto piyawa Ijaha nasa white two cartons of moto Ime half carton Obyamu jigaka Blue form has it too, but yeah, I'm an agokuque. Yes, finally. That's the final one. Thank you, ma'am. My Lord Bishop. Yes, ma'am. I appreciate being here today. I thank God for that because I've learned a lot of new things. But there's one problem that has been bothering me. I want you to help me solve. Why is it that they use? They refuse correction. Most mothers have the same experience. When they, we are, when they are young, growing, when you see them every day and you play and talk with them, as soon as they get to adolescence, what do they call the last one? I think it's SS3. When they finish with that, and they are about going to higher institution, yeah. and you know at that time they live far away from home. Yeah. You don't see them very often as you were before. But when they come back on holidays, they demonstrate a lot of negative things. And when you open your mouth to talk, hey, come and see fire. <laughs> the first thing he will tell you, you are no more a child. Uh, I've grown. I'm no more a child. It's my life. On my mind, how you talk to me. I'm, if I go out, I know the way to come back. Whether it's six o'clock or four o'clock, nobody should be controlling me like that, especially the boys. And what's for you if you are a widow? What's for you if you are a widow? So it's a problem. Because I remember vividly when we were growing, even when you are going back to school and you stay by the roadside to play about, if any adult comes along, he pick a stick and push, make you understand that you are doing the wrong thing. But this time, even the teachers in the school are not allowed to prevent children. If you do that, it's side abuse. Yeah. Okay, ma. It's a big challenge. 
know what we can do. Because it's from home. And now every adult is a leader. Every mother is a leader. That is how to raise children. Your mother will not be there all, all the time or your father. Okay. But any adult around can make correction. Okay, ma. Actually, what mama has said is a big problem. But one thing is certain. If you check the Bible, Second Timothy chapter 3 is playing out seriously now. He said, but mark this. In the last days, perilous times shall come. And he begins to marshal out the characteristics of the perilous. One is that children will be disobedient to their parents. That's the Bible. They will be very haughty, arrogant. But arrogance in emptiness. They take you as a non-entity. They know better. But the truth is that they are wallowing in ignorance. It's peer influence outside. Building unrealistic fantasy in the air. And when they collapse, they come back to you. That's the irony of the whole thing. When they meet the brick wall, they run back to you. But we won't give up. This is my approach to it. Number one, from day one, any child you successfully plant the word of God in, let that child go into the wilderness, the child will survive. That's the challenge for us. Plant from day one the word of God in your child. They are near to you, doesn't make them secure. When they go outside, if the word of God is in them, let them go to London to study, go to Britain, to, they will come back Christians. The number two, don't joke with parental prayers. What constant rebuke will not do? Prayers we do it. Thirdly, the way we were brought up is not the same environment they grow in. They have a lot of challenges. You know, in my own time, when I was growing up, if you want to make, if this girl now turn again a guy, a nano no daily letter, post office post to a letter or two months <laughs> before he gets to the girl the girl will not sit down and contemplate whether to reply you maybe after one week she will decide to reply you and reply whether favorable or unfavorable go to post office put it again two months so for four months no communication but this one is there. Zoom, even Zoom communication. They are there eating and they are, talk, they are talking, seeing themselves, video calls, everything. So this thing has changed. It needs prayers. It also needs monitoring. Because before my daughter, it was not easy for me. She was a Christian, born again. But I have to follow her bumper to bumper. 
not physical. Ona Daniel na WhatsApp o meyera ofo na no me na ene. Odaputa tinyi si na Instagram. Ona your daughter watched your picture in Instagram, but your sister your daughter was online. Opafe. O tinyi si na epobu na obara na internet nese. Unwe mbono kata web webuna WhatsApp ya last seen status. Ima gonke ya bo imara mbono no online boya onki meta. Restore it. <laughs> I want to know where you. <laughs> oh no, university. It's all my princess. That's what I call her. My princess. Restore it. Where her work? Camera Boronino. When you are online and where you are, you know it's not easy parenting now. It's not easy. Man, he may say in keki, in ke follows him. In your future, keep. But let me tell you, young people here. Quite for ono. I am now my destinies. If you Kenyan or na na palo, you know ten story building of mafia. So you know that now it's my life, it's my life. I love him, I love him. He's my boo, he's my boo, he's my cat, he's my animal. But when we have phone at that point, he can't go to your boo na be animal, animals, monkey. Look at that baby, baby. Oh, come be one hip of a dear baby. Come wake up for the megadi, the megadi. Because a baby doesn't behave well. Ne be a yaka. My baby, my baby. Can you not put the baby ever? Our guys are in here. Who are the choir? Who are the choir? As a choir. Our guys are in here. As as you can hear, you had to come here. Eh, when you come here, I know what that come. I know what they are causing a trouble here. Oh, we keep working. Oh, my father, my mother, daughter, my child, my mother, my daddy. Hey, my daddy, come. My dad, you are my baby, you are my baby skit, you are my work. I think we end here. So, Mama, we are together in that challenge. It's not easy. But at the end of the day, it pays off. My happiest day was the day my daughter wedded. That is November 2019. I was jumping up and dancing because I have succeeded. I married as a born again Christian to a born again young man, and I'm not doubting their faith. Such a like Anam, because oh, for daughter, I'm going. So say Anam, Anam. So young girls, young boys, parents mean well for you. Parents mean well. Can we stand to pray? Great is thy faithfulness. Oh God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning within. There is no compassion.
because he loves us that he has thrown these challenges to us not to discourage us give him praise give him honor he loves you he loves me It's not easy to be a biblical Christian leader in this time. But can we pray for two minutes? Commit yourself into his hands and say, God, I will not fail you. If there are ways I've failed you, restore me. Restore me. Revive me in line with our theme for this program. Can you ask God, give me grace not to fail you in this generation. Wherever I find myself, give me grace. Give me grace. Give me grace. Come walk with me The road is straight and narrow Come walk with me We cannot walk the road Declaration on yourself, Lord, as you live it, I will not deliberately fail you. It's a serious prayer. Many are failing him, many are disappointing him. Wherever I find myself, Lord, help me that I will not fail you, that I will not bring reproach to you. Like you read in the scripture in Romans chapter 2. From verse 24, God was lamenting and said, Because of you, the name of the Lord is blasphemed among the Gentiles. Can you say, God, I will not be a part and a party to this. Lord, I will not bring blaspheme to your name. I will not cause reproach to your name. As a leader, in my family, in my school, in my studies, in my department, in my career, in my ministry. No matter what the multitudes are doing, make me a faithful disciple of yours. In this perverse and crooked generation, may I stand for you. Pray that prayer and we go. Thank you, Father. Give me grace to follow Abundant grace to follow Sufficient grace to follow Our grace is all for us again Give me grace to follow 
those you love, you call, you chastise and chasten, you direct and redirect. You didn't call us to destroy us. Lord, we have listened, we have interacted, we have been spoken to. May the words you spoke to us today never bring condemnation to us. May we walk with these words. Make us your faithful representatives in this generation. That anywhere we find ourselves, may we not join the bandwagon. Make us the light of this nation. In our offices, in our homes, in our schools, in our ministries. May we do things differently according to your will in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, it is not of he that will it, neither he that run it. Only you that show it mercy. Jesus, you have been on this earth physically. You know it's not easy to do these things on our own. Enable us by your grace. Lord, we will not fail. We will not falter. We will not disappoint you. May you bear us up on ego's wing. And may we end this race gloriously at the feet of the master. Make us leaders that need to be emulated. That in all things your name be glorified. Thank you, Father. Be with us as we come back in the evening. May your word come forth afresh upon us. In Jesus' mighty name we are prayed. Amen.